0: Fire. This is Jerry Bingham, host of Hush Loudly on WGN Plus. She she oh. Your voice matters, and when you really, truly stand in that fully, you will be able to have the impact that you want. This is Trisha Brooke, and you are listening to Hush Loudly on WGN. This girl is on fire! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hush Loudly, where we talk to fabulous, interesting people like our guest today. As you know, it's our goal to try and redefine the word introvert, which oftentimes has a negative connotation in this extrovert rewarding world. One-third to one-half the world is introverted, we lead, and we even take center stage, which is what we're going to talk a little bit about today. So I don't know if our guest is an introvert or not. It doesn't matter because we love her, and she works with introverts, extroverts everywhere, helping them in so many ways that we're about to discuss. Tricia Brooke is an international award-winning director. She works in theater, film, and television. In addition to her work in the entertainment industry, she applies her expertise to the art of public speaking. She produced TEDx Lincoln Square, and Speakers Who Dare in New York City. She choreographed Black Box on ABC, The Affair on Showtime, Rescue Me on Fox, and John Turturro's Romance of Cigarettes, where she was awarded a Golden Thumb Award from Roger Ebert. The series she directed, Sublets, won Best Comedy at the Vancouver Web Festival. She curates and hosts the Speaker Salon in New York City, The Big Talk an award-winning podcast on iTunes and YouTube. She was recently awarded Top Director of 2019 by the International Association of Top Professionals, and her documentary Right Livelihood: A Journey* to hear about the Buddhist chaplain at Rikers Island won Best Documentary Short at the Olympus Film Festival. And *You're Gorgeous, I Love Your Shirt*: An Inside Look at Bullying and Mental Health won an Award of Merit at the Awareness Festival. So, I'd like to introduce my listeners to Trish. Brook. Hi, Tricia. Jerry, thank you so much for having me. What an incredible introduction. I'm so honored <laughs> to be here. We're honored to have you. So my first question is, are you an introvert? I love this question because for me it's a two part answer. Okay. I am I'm not shy, but I do love spending time alone. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny that we describe it that way and, and, and that's part of the perception that we're working to just educate and inform people about introverts and so we talk about how introverts draw energy from within and we recharge more in solitude and introverts expend energy in social situations we're usually exhausted while extroverts gain energy in that social interaction and they recharge not in solitude like introverts do and then the last big thing that I like to talk about is how Introverts, I believe, we think then we do. We're processing, we're analyzing, versus extroverts who think while doing. They make things happen and, you know, everything is, is in motion and moving in real time. So, have you ever taken a personality indicator test like the Myers-Briggs or an Enneagram or one of those? I have not taken Myers-Briggs. I have taken an Enneagram, but I can't actually remember what my, what my numbers were. Okay. But what you, what you described, Jerry, is Part of me is an introvert and part of me is an extrovert. I definitely mm-hmm. I definitely make decisions in motion. I'm a I'm a quick start for sure, mm-hmm. but I definitely need to recharge and my husband is a full-on extrovert. Okay. Well, you may be right in the middle, which is the best of both worlds. Who knows? And so one of my questions is I would love to know Can you assess, you know, in all of the people that you're working with? And we're going to talk about what you do, but I wonder if you've thought about, or maybe since you're talking to me today, a percentage of how many do you think may be more introverted or extrovert? I think that when people come to me in order to tell their stories, Most of them are introverted. Mm -hmm. The reason that they need to tell their stories is because of how important it is for them to help other people. Mm. And that is what I find to be so empowering and so transformational for the people that I work with is that when I teach them that they need to be the voice to, to speak and to share their message and share their story in order to change and even save a life, the fear, the terror, the introvert goes away because it becomes all about who their message is going to help. Wow. I love that. You have no no idea how profound that is. It's What we were talking about earlier, I relate to that and, and I'm finding in my research about introverts, we usually want to do things that make an impact and make a difference and help someone. Not that extroverts don't, but it just seems like it's something else with introverts a calling or, or we're pushed or compelled to do that, so that's fascinating. So now, I'm sure our audience is wondering, can you tell us about Big Talk and tell us about some of the things you're doing to help people take center stage. Absolutely, Jerry. I have been in New York City for 30 years and I moved here to pursue experience in dance. I was a dancer for most of my career, moved into directing and choreographing and working in film, tel- television and theater, just like you shared in my bio. And three years ago, a speaker who is a friend of mine, she was a fan of my work. She said, I'm doing a TED Talk. I want you to direct me. And I thought, it's just like a one-woman show. We'll work on choreography, blocking. I'll do script analysis. We'll talk about intention in terms of how you're performing. And what happened during that process, for me, was incredibly powerful because I got to work with somebody who was sharing a very important message in order to help the world. And it was bigger than just, let's put on a play. Let's put on a musical. Let's do a TV show. It was bigger. And I realized in that moment, oh, wow, if I help elevate and amplify voices of people who want to make the world a better place, and I get to spend time with those folks all the time, then I get to have a better impact as a director. Mm -hmm. And that is where the big talk started. All of a sudden, I said out loud, I'm going to make the world a better place by amplifying voices of others. And I started making documentaries. I started working with speakers. I decided I have all these speakers, what do I do? I'm a theater producer, what is, what's for speakers, TEDx. Mm-hmm. So I became the executive producer of TEDx Lincoln Square, decided that I needed to go bigger and put more speakers on more TEDx stages, so I stepped down from that position, created my own speaker event, and then started working with amazing speakers like Andrew Bennett, mm-hmm. who is a two-time TEDx speaker. And I've put over 50 speakers onto more than 15 stages in the last three years and The reason that I do this is because every single speaker who comes to me says, I want to make the world a better place. I want to share my story so that I can reach that one person who may need to hear from me in order to be transformed. And that is the kind of impact that I am interested in having. It's really about getting up every day with a singular white hot vision, Jerry, of making the world a better place. Wow, and you mentioned Andrew Bennett. Our audience doesn't know that we chatted previously, so he is our connection. And Andrew Bennett has an amazing story about his childhood and and, and magic and how I think magic was sort of helping him cope with some things and became, you know, I don't know, his entry into what he's doing now. He's he's consulting and, and doing all these amazing things, but his story which was very compelling, it's interesting that you're saying how a person like that needs your help, and and, and you've helped, I'm sure, many others just like him. So I want to ask you, do you think that anyone can do public speaking? Because most of us are afraid of it, introverts, extroverts. We have all of these fears. So do you think anyone can do it? I believe anyone can do it. And the reason I believe that, Jerry, is because I teach the technique on how. Not everybody can be a great public speaker. Okay. But everyone can be a public speaker. And I say this especially right now because there's so much noise online. There's so much uh, volume of people who are speaking out right now that we have a responsibility when we share a message. To consciously be aware that we are publicly speaking. Mm. So, anytime you are out, if you are at the grocery store, you are speaking to the checkout girl. And I say this because Michelle, Michelle checked me out this morning. I went in and I bought some flowers and I bought some <laughs> coffee. Uh-huh. And I said, I know her name because I I I go there a lot early at five thirty a.m. in New York City, and we chatted. And that's a moment of exchange that requires responsibility. It's mm. speaking publicly when you're sitting across the table from your family and you have a family meeting and you want to talk about something that's going on with your family, that's public speaking. When you are on in a community room or a conference room with your with your team or with your boss, that's public speaking. It's conscious communication with authenticity mm-hmm. and dignity. Now, if you don't have the skills and you've asked to, to speak at the Javis Center and there's 15,000 people, you better get some skills real quick. <laughs> well, I guess so. <laughs> but I do believe it's a skill that can be learned. And when you have an important story that needs to be told, that is what gets you across that threshold here. fear. And I share this story. One of my speakers, incredible, incredible introvert, one of the most shy human beings on the planet. He would get on stage and he would... He would make a face that looked like he was about to cry. Oh, and we would all and we would all feel bad for him. So I taught him that his platform is being a vegan. He eats plant based, he doesn't wear animal clothing, he doesn't watch animal entertainment at all. No, wow. no films, no zoos, no nothing. So I said, James, you have to be the voice for the animal. They can't say it. Hmm. You need to. And that changed everything. When he realized it wasn't about him, yeah. and he used that technique of, it's you've got to be the voice of the animal. Then it changed, and he was able to deliver that talk. Another piece of technique that I give to people who are very, very nervous, who are not sure if they can be a public speaker, is I make them do something. And this is directly from acting and from directing. If your actors are not landing on a scene or dropping into a scene, I make them do something, whether it's walk from over here to over there or do the dishes or make the bed, whatever it is. So for James, we were at the theater, and he was very nervous. So I I, I said, okay, I'm going to put as much stuff on the stage as possible. I'm just going to put junk on the stage. Mic stands, music stands, stools, chairs, brooms, mops, buckets. I'm just going to put a bunch of stuff on the stage. And now, James, I want you to clean the stage while you deliver your talk. So he started putting everything away, and his talk was perfect because he stopped thinking about the audience. (laughs) That's so interesting. I love that. It's like a a sort of a distraction, and you're still able to tell your story. Completely. So he delivered that talk so beautifully, and then it gave him the confidence that he Mm -hmm. could. Mm -hmm. And why do you think we're so afraid of it? So, when you just as you gave the example, speaking at your, in, you know, at the family, at the table, and speaking with Michelle, that may come easy to many of us, even though we need to be conscious of what we're communicating. Why are so many of us afraid to get on a stage in front of 200 people, 2000 people? What do you think? We all are terrified of criticism and not being liked and having a bad idea or saying something that sounds stupid. We're so afraid of it going wrong that we don't even give ourselves an opportunity for it to go right. What if I forget? What if I fall? What if I stumble? What if I stutter? What if I'm my idea is bad? What if people don't care? I encourage everyone listening right now to reframe that. What if I'm amazing? What if I get a standing ovation? What if I help everyone in this room think differently and have better lives? What if I am perfect What if I deliver in a way that's so honest that I touch everyone deeply? Wow. <laughs> I'm sitting here laughing because I've said all of those things that you said, and I'm sure many of us have said that. I'm going to fall. I'm going to bust my head open. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Okay. So thank you. We will we will switch that. We will change that energy. Well, I spoke recently to Valerie Jarrett, former advisor to Barack Obama, and she talked about how she used to get so nervous, and she said she was painfully shy as, a, as she was a little girl, but she felt less nervous when she was prepared and her mom told her it's okay to be nervous but don't show that you're nervous and I just wondered what do you think about that or what do you say to people like James and and who are extremely nervous or extremely shy those nerves are there to fuel you and it also tells us that you care about what you're talking about Mm -hmm giving yourself permission to experience the nerves, the physiological response that your body is going to have, because you will have a physiological response. I don't care how many stages you've been on. I've been on thousands of stages, Jerry, and I still have a physiological response. My really? body is sweaty. Really? Absolutely. It's physiological. So when you consciously know my body's going to betray me, <laughs> and you practice, With that physiological response, meaning do the talk in front of people before you do it on the day, make sure that you understand what your body is going to do so that you can rehearse getting through the talk in a profound and impactful way while your armpits are sweating, while your knees are shaking, it's going to happen. So when you teach your body how to coexist as having nerves and also being confident and in command then you train yourself to do more than one thing at a time. And we all do more than one thing at a time. Think about driving. Right. Wow. Okay. I know you talk about storytelling. I am on your email list. I read everything you put out there. And I love when you shared recently your thoughts about delivering a keynote with purpose, which this goes back to James, who I don't know James, but I feel like I want to know him. And I feel like this should carry over not only for public speaking, but also if you're just speaking in front of a small group or in a conference room or on a Zoom meeting, I would love for you to share a little bit about your message and about storytelling and the importance of of the message. When you identify what it is that you want to talk about and are clear on your purpose, mission, and values, telling the story becomes second nature. If you are telling a story that you don't connect with because you think an audience wants to hear it, or you think you need to be talking about it for list building or visibility or more likes, you will disconnect from the audience immediately. Mm-hmm. Identifying what your purpose is in the world, what your mission is, and what your values are will help you align with how you tell stories. I tell a story about my husband. I got a download in my kitchen. We lived on 57th Street for 10 years together. 15 years, he was there five years before we got married. Mm-hmm. So we lived there for 10 years, he was 15. I'm sitting in my kitchen, out of the blue, I get a download. You have to move. The universe is like, you have to move. And I thought, wait, well, I have to move. You don't move in New York City, you have a good apartment. So we move. Right. And I said to my husband that night, honey, we have to move. I already got a realtor. We're starting to look at apartments tomorrow. And he looked at me like I was crazy. I'm sure. And I tell this story in a way that the meaning behind it is I made a decision to expand in life and in my business. And when that download came and said, you have to move, I didn't know how. I just knew I had to. And my best negotiation in the year of 2018 was the speech I gave to my husband about moving. Mm. <laughs> and we moved from 57th Street to 55th Street, two blocks from a one-bedroom that was very dark to a two-bedroom, two-bathroom wraparound windows that faces the Alvin Ailey Dance Studios. Oh, wow. Had I not listened to that download, this beautiful home that we live in in New York City not be where we're living right now during a global pandemic. And I share that story because my purpose was about making the world a better place, and I needed to expand in order to do that. Mm -hmm. So accepting the download, connecting it to my purpose, sharing a personal story so that people can connect to you, that's the power of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so this is something that I, I know I really wasn't talking about what you have coming up, but I wonder if you could share a little bit about your masterclass and, and anything else that our listeners might be interested in, in learning from you. Well, there's several ways that I would love to share with your audience, Jerry. I have a YouTube channel, The Big Talk with Trisha Brooke on YouTube, also my podcast, and these are three resources full of value meant to support anyone who is thinking about sharing their message. I also have the Big Talk Academy, which is my virtual certification program, and you can get on the wait list at BigTalkAcademy.com. I started the Big Talk Academy because I have a speaker salon that happens in New York City, and not everybody can commute to New York City once a week. So I decided to create the certification program because I want to be able to help as many people on the planet as possible share their story. Because again, I said this, and I really truly mean this, because when you share your story, you can not only change, but save lives. And it culminates in the virtual showcase. As you know, I put on shows, so there's going to be, there's going to be some uh, bells and whistles at the end. And it's an opportunity to work with me virtually for 12 weeks and write that signature talk or write that TEDx and get in front of people who could potentially book you because I invite influencers to the virtual showcase. Yeah. And you can find anything about me at trishabrook.com as well. Okay. So, we have, I know we're running out of time, and I would love some advice. You've given some great tips already, and I think helping us shift our energy and the way we think about things. Our audience is definitely a mix of introverts and extroverts, and I'm wondering, do you have any advice, uh, anything that you'd like to say to people who want to make an impact? I'd love to just say your voice matters. And when you really, truly stand in that fully, you will be able to have the impact that you want. Okay. Well, thank you, Trisha. And we can find Trisha at trishabrook.com and that's spelled B-R-O-U-K. And Trisha's everywhere. I encourage you to go find her, listen to her videos, and, and just learn more about her. and And get yourself out there, get on center stage. So thank you so much, Trisha, for joining us at Hush Loudly today. Thank you so much, Jerry. It's been amazing. Enjoying Hush Loudly? Please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to us. Did you know Hush Loudly has t-shirts? Yep. Show the world you're an introvert without saying a word. We also have t-shirts for the extroverts in our lives who lead us. Go to hushbradley.com slash shop.